Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Phoenix. Sun struggled a little bit in the first half, dominated, I say dominated, but won the second half convincingly, beating the Kings 130 to 125. 17 lead changes in the game. They won despite 40 points from De'Aaron Fox at the point, and Zabonis had a 35.18 rebound triple double. But KD at 28 points, he had 11 rebounds, and Devin Booker became the second leading scorer in Suns history. Head coach Frank Vogel. Spectacular. You know, I mean, he just played a hell of a second half. A hell of a first half. He just didn't make shots, and, and he was, you know, playing through double teams and, and getting others involved. He passed Alvin Adams. Now he has 13,918 points. That puts him 1,700 behind the great Walter Davis for first place in all-time scoring in Phoenix Suns history. Now, other Suns news. Adrian Wojnarowski, who's the beat reporter for the NBA on ESPN, he's reporting that the Suns are close to signing 18-year veteran Thaddeus Young in the buyout market. AZ Central reporting the Suns are interested in talking to Danilo Gallinari who is a player that his dad used to be the roommate of former Suns coach Mike D'Antoni. So the world comes full circle. Back end of a back-to-back tonight to end the first half of the season. Suns at home against the Pistons. The return of Monty Williams. Tip-off tonight, 7 o'clock. Adam Miller, interesting, had one of his best games as a Sun Devil coming off the bench. He went 7 for 11. So what do you do when you play well off the bench, coach? Oh, you then get the opportunity to start. As Bobby Hurley announced yesterday that uh, Miller will be a starter at tonight's game, Oregon State swept the Arizona schools, but they're only here to play the Devils. They don't go to Tucson. They'll take on ASU tonight, 7 o'clock. Things are starting to fall apart for the Coyotes. Six-game losing streak right in the middle of crunch time. They're eight points back for a playoff spot. They've got to leapfrog five different teams, including the Wild. And guess where the Wild are? Well, they're here. They take on the uh, Coyotes tonight, 7.30 at home. Today is the parade. Valentine's Day parade for the Kansas City Chiefs. Head coach Andy Reid was asked, did you have a conversation about having fun, but not going so crazy you look like you're at 16 at the Waste Management Phoenix Open? Uh, Yeah, that was mentioned um, a couple times, so uh, it's great to have fun. Uh, But, you know, be smart. It really wasn't mentioned about the race management Phoenix Open. On the other side of things, 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan still sticking to his guns that they made the right decisions at the end of the game in overtime. Uh, I mean, like I've told you guys before, anytime you lose every decision you made, I mean, you make a decision every play throughout that game. So uh, when you lose, you'll go over that stuff um, always um, throughout the entire offseason, through cutups, through everything. But, um, you know, there is nothing that I thought in the moment that it did wrong. Vegas still believes in them. 49ers considered the favorite to win Super Bowl 59. 
The Pac-2 announced they're moving on from George Klyevkov, and they'll still get a full share of the college football playoff. How about that? College hoop? One upset last night. Q's beat number seven, UNC 86-79. And finally, meet Naif Kataman. Nafe Kahneman owns the Selena One Market in Tacoma, Washington area. On Monday, he was threatened with a knife. He went full crocodile Dundee and pulled out a machete. <laughs> it was rather ironic. The man then fled from the machete, was arrested, then got released because it's Washington and crime isn't that big of a deal, came back into the store and threatened to kill our man, Nafe. Nafe went after him again with the machete, and this time when the police arrested him, he stayed in jail. Unplugged army? Attention! All right, admittedly, that might be a little bit over the top, but I'm jacked up for our next sanctioned event at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're going to be there on February 23rd. It's a Friday. Noon is the official time for our first set of tee times. We've got the whole course from noon until 1.30. You got to go to unplugged at whirlwind.com click on the events tab. Normally playing golf in February at Whirlwind is $260, but thanks to Sweet Lou, we get the course for $109 plus tax. It is a tremendous savings and it's only available to those of us in the Unplugged Army. If you're not able to make it, I'm going to be eating kind of a late breakfast there around 1030, so I'd love for you to stop by Civilic represent or maybe get a beer with me right after the event is over i'd love to see you friday february 23rd at whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass feel the wind i'm janelle general manager of bell's nashville kitchen aka the whiskey wizard bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food we are a scratch kitchen with chef inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of arizona our nashville hot chicken sandwich now the drinks I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Don't you hate it when that happens? Two things I was hoping to have this morning. Ask it, Izzy. Hey, do you know where this is? Do you know where this is? And then Izzy says, uh, no, I don't know where either of those things are. Are you aware that you didn't even ask for it? Oh, yeah. No, I was not aware, and that would be kind of a pretty good way to explain why we don't have it. Because I didn't do anything about it. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone each and every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Yeah, it stinks. I don't know what happened. Um, There's a station called King 5 in Tacoma, and they show this old guy. I'm, I'm guessing late 60s and uh he's probably 
some kind of Eastern European dialect is uh, is the way he talks. And he goes full crocodile Dundee on this bad guy. This bad guy comes in and he points this small knife, uh, some kind of little switchblade at the, at the guy demanding money. And he pulls out a machete and starts whipping it around. And the guy, the guy like stumbles backwards and then leaves the convenience store. But they've got him on surveillance video. They ask some questions around the neighborhood. They figure out who it is. They arrest him. And then, man, it's amazing the way crime and punishment works. Uh, They released him, yeah, that day. And so he's back on the street in a day of wielding a knife around convenience store owners in the same neighborhood where a convenience store owner three miles away had been killed about six months ago. Like, oh, let's just let him back on the street. Well, then that's what what does the genius do after getting allowed back out? What does he do with his uh, second opportunity in life? Oh, he goes back to the store. <laughs> like, did you not know they had cameras? That's why they know who you are. <laughs> I mean, dumb crook stories, I think, are my favorite things. So then this time, other people are there. The guy gets uh, hung up there. Police come back. They arrest him. And this time he doesn't get, he doesn't get released. So th- that's the rule if you didn't know in the Tacoma, Seattle area. It takes two crimes in one day to actually stay in jail. So I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't know the rules of that, but it's a, it's good for the the rest of us to know. How is your, uh, how's your week going? Middle of the week, let's go. You know, everybody else around you starts to slow down right now. You pick it back up because you're a member of the Unplugged Army and uh, get ready to celebrate a weekend this weekend and then dominate next weekend. As we are out at Whirlwind, and I hope, uh, I hope that you can make it, we will be there at Whirlwind. I'm going to be there at about uh, 10, 10.30, probably more like 10.30, and eat some breakfast and then head out to uh, warm up, and then we'll tee off at about noon. Tea times are available from noon to 1.30, and I can't stress enough how cool it is to play a course this gorgeous at the price that Sweet Lou has given us. We get, oh my gosh. $109 plus tax when the rate is for everybody else is $260. I mean, that's awesome. And if you've ever heard anybody in your life say, well, I got this because it's on sale. Well, now you can use that. Well, I, I got this round of golf because it was on sale. Well, did you need the round of golf? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. So we'll be there next Friday, the 23rd, noon to 1.30. And if you want to go, just go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com, unpluggedatwhirlwind.com. Click on the events page. Oh, thank you. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast right now, you have no idea what Izzy just did, but he put up on the screen the unpluggedatwhirlwind.com website. The, when you first get to the website, you'll see a static advertisement for Whirlwind Plus program. So if you click on the bottom of that, that'll give you information about Whirlwind Plus. If you want information about golfing with us next Friday, click on the events tab at the top of the page. And that events tab will take you right to a page where you can uh, uh, find out all the information about what's going on. And again, just think about this for a second. If you choose to go to whirlwind.com and say book a tee time at 1130, that's $260. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com, golf with us between noon and 1.30, $109. We get almost 60% off. That's so awesome. So Unplugged Army, these are the type of events. This is the reason why we have sanctioned events. 
to come out and to uh, be able to show our support for the uh, for a major advertiser and uh, and and keep the podcast totally free. And uh, and for those of you that are watching right now on WTSMTV.com, thank you very much. And your support of an advertiser helps convince other advertisers, hey, I need to come on. What does that do? Well, then that means we can grow because I, I have a vision of trying to this to, to have this day, uh, the date coming where we are live from 6 a.m. to at least midnight. And then we we're just hammering sports shows and play by play and everything else. But the only way we can grow is by continually growing the business, and we need you. Now, it's not a charity. We've got to earn it. We've got to do well enough to earn your money. I don't want to deny that, but that's, that's where we want to go. So thanks. Thanks for supporting different events like this. And uh, I'm hoping to bring out other potential advertisers to come see the power of the Unplugged Army. And so I'm kind of selling you, if you don't mind, selling your spirit, selling your energy, so please come out and, and join us and uh, anytime between 1030 and 530 or so. And then I'm trying to think of, I found out that Civlik is usually closes a little early during the winter. And so I certainly want to do something happy hour wise and get together. So please keep uh, listening to the podcast or watching WTSMTV.com so I can give you the latest on that. The parades today in Kansas City, and this makes me laugh. This, this is really funny to me. The Kansas City Super Bowl parade, there are rumors this could be one of the highest attended parades in the nation. I mean, think about that. Beating New York City type of parades and other things. There's rumors this is going to be so enormous so, because Swifties might be coming. They want, there are rumors that they get a chance to get closer to Taylor Swift than they've ever been and they want to see her on the stage and they're all excited about it, blah, 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 blah. Here's why that's funny. The woman, I mean, no matter how you feel about Taylor Swift, this woman takes her job seriously. I mean, she is a fantastic performer. She is, puts, I mean, puts her soul into every concert, things like that. I think you understand the international dateline, but it's, it, it can screw with your head when you actually travel. Not that I've ever traveled over the international dateline. Uh, the closest I've ever been to the international dateline would be, uh, I think Maui is the closest I've ever been. But anyway, she has a concert Friday night in Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne, Australia is about... 16 hours ahead of Kansas City. So if she goes to the actual parade today, rides on the float and everything, the parade starts around noon, which would be four in the morning, Thursday morning in Melbourne. Her concert's Friday night. If she hangs out, goes through the parade, the speeches and everything else, she probably doesn't get on her flight. Her flight is if she's going to the airport. Um, her flight, her private jet, she probably doesn't get on it until about five o'clock. And then it's a 17 hour flight. So she would be boarding a flight at some point around late Thursday morning today, but late Thursday morning, Melbourne time, flying 17 hours and arriving at some point around three in the morning in Melbourne for a concert that she has in about 15 hours. Now, granted, those private jets, not that I've ever been on but one, but I've seen them, 
I mean, everything's laid out. It's supposedly okay to sleep, but the way she is, that just doesn't seem like something she would do it, to me. So I'm kind of laughing. And if, I, if, if she's there today, okay, then I just wasted the last three minutes of your life and I'm sorry. But I think it's kind of entertaining that all of these people are descending on Kansas City to see Taylor Swift for free when she's not performing and there's about an 8% chance she's going to be there. Man, that's a lot of time invested. Izzy, is there anybody in your life that you would fly to possibly see when you don't have a chance to really see them? Honestly, I don't even think I'd even drive, you know. <laughs> I don't even think I'd go that far in honesty. And, and even if I lived in Kansas City, I would certainly go to the parade for the Chiefs. But being a Swifty and say, I'm going to deal with that kind of traffic for an 8% chance of her being there. Oh, my gosh. I mean, God bless them. I, I wish I was so successful in life that all of those people were feeding my family by showing up everywhere I go to a certain extent. I would like to be able to go out to dinner I mean that would be weird to have people hanging out as soon as you walk out of of every restaurant going crazy and everything having security with you every second that's a little man granted I would I would be fine with her paycheck so I would deal with whatever the problems that cause agree but uh I don't think I don't think the world wants to see me in those outfits just an opinion uh, I think we would all be uh, better off. All right, last thing. I, I need to open up about something I did on Monday. For those of you that are hardcore listeners in the Unplugged Army, and if you, we had massive problems here at the station on Monday, and I did one great thing in which I went back home and did basically an entire new show in, in order to make sure that I'm serving the Unplugged Army. So that was, I think, a strong move by me. But what was a very, very weak move is I was pissy and threw a bunch. Of, I, I don't I didn't mean to throw anybody under the bus, but that's certainly what it sounded like. I went back and listened to it yesterday and I think I sounded like a jerk. And uh, I feel really bad about that. I'm I'm not. How do I want to say this? I am pissed. I don't I don't I mean, that's not something that you that you get over. But I I really made it sound like that I was pissed off at people. And that 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 was crappy of me to to make it sound like that. And unplugged army, I think what's important is is just to call it like it is whenever you screw up too. I just choked. I mean, that's the only that I think that's the best word for it. I think I choked because what is a choke? A choke is when you have the skill and you have the talent and the pressure or the emotions of the moment get to you and you react to that versus what you know you can do. And that's to me what a choke is. And I remember getting, not getting into trouble, but I remember a lot of people upset at me one time when I talked about a gymnast who choked. And everyone's like, oh, it's a 14-year-old girl, and she's out here, da 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 and, and they were all bent out of shape. I mean, listen, I'm not insulting the young girl's character. The question is very simple. Do you think she had, I don't even remember who it was, do you think she has the talent to win the gold medal? And she did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, all of these things because of the pressure of the moment that somebody was in the lead. That's it doesn't matter that that's a joke. It doesn't mean she's not going to be a great person or isn't a great. I mean, let's not take it all personal. It's just that's the reality. And I look at it differently. Yes, we could say that she's 14, but we also need to look at 
when you are in the marketplace selling yourself as a marketable tool, making money on the system, which you have every right to do, that makes you professional. So don't tell me she's an Olympian. Don't say, you, you know, stuff like that. You've accepted the pressure. And I also looked at it when I did that. This is like 20 years ago, I admit. But when you look at something like that, what ends up happening is I think too many people in sports separate the genders in such a way that I don't think that means equality. If we're going to, and I I pride myself on doing this, if we're going to take athletes and coaches to task that are men, why treat women differently? I, I think that they're equal, not equal as if if you have a five members of the WNBA playing against five members of the NBA, the NBA team's going to lose. I'm not saying that at all from an equality standpoint, but I mean, they certainly deserve equal opportunity and that means positive and negative. Well, I can't call out athletes and coaches who choke without having the ability to call myself out. And that's exactly what happened. I got wrapped up in the emotion. Please don't take that as if I'm blaming the emotion. I'm saying uh, if I was better, I wouldn't have choked and, and I shouldn't have gotten all wrapped up into my anger uh, and, uh, and, and just dumped on people. So that was, that was wrong of me and I wanted to I say that. That is not, however, Doug's big one. I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, sound credits today. Wow, we got a lot of stuff. Uh, Suns PR helped us out a lot with uh, both KD and Booker and Frank Vogel. So we've got all of that for you. Uh, we went to the 49ers provided uh, Kyle Shanahan. There's a lot of Kyle for me. I, I realize we're three days out of the Super Bowl now, really four, but I got a lot of Kyle Shanahan that I want to get to. Um, one thing from Andy Reid, I hope you enjoy what I had Izzy pull for Andy Reid. And the reason why is it's old school history lesson that I was really happy that he said what he said. And it's one of the funniest misnomers in all of sports. And I, I like history lessons. So I want to give that to you in case you don't know about it. And I think that's it. Oh, uh, Draymond Green. I got a, we got a huge section of Draymond Green going after Nurkic. So give credit, to, sound credit to the Draymond Green podcast. Uh, hopefully someday we earn the right on Unplugged to have Draymond Green play us. He, he's making news and, uh, and we need to play it. Izzy, can you think of anything else uh, sound credit wise? Uh, nah, I think that's about it. All right. Did you? With, with, first of all, for those of you who don't know, normally I get into work at five. Today I slept in. I sent Izzy everything. And well, everything. I thought I sent him everything. There's two things I didn't tell him that I was interested in. But, he, uh, but I got in at 530. Since I was all set, everything's ready. But Izzy gets into work sometime around four or so. So did you stay up and watch the whole game? Because it was late. Yeah, I dozed off on Devin Booker's shot, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I totally, I totally get it. Because I was wondering, should I text you during games of, oh, I like that, I like that? And then I'm thinking, with an 8 o'clock tip, no, no, no. Yeah, 7.30, I wind down. (laughs) Yeah, I I totally get it. Uh, Trust me, there's, most people think they understand what it's like, what you do, and they don't. No, no, you, you will learn quickly. Everyone says, oh, you can do this, you can do this, and you, you can just, you, you never argue with them. I'm telling you right now, if this is your shift for life, never argue with people that think that there's something that you could do. Just know that they'll never understand. Like it, it's, and I don't mean that as in don't argue, as in you don't have a right to. I mean it as in you'll never convince them. They d- no one understands what this shift does to the body. Nobody does. 
And oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm learning that at the crib. Exactly. Now, I don't know if that means as I tell you this, you're going, I'm not going to do this much longer. <laughs> and I, I get that. I totally get that. I started mornings in Kansas City, and I told the guy flat out, I forget what I was offered. I was offered something around 55000 I think, at the time. And, and I told him, okay, I accept that, but I want a $10,000 tax for being, having to get up in the morning because my show started at 525 in the morning. I know that's a weird time. So I started at 525. And they said, okay, fine. We're not going to give you an extra 10. We'll give you 60. And then we took it. And we're like, okay, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see what that does. And uh, it was a crazy, crazy time. It's a funny story. They, they actually made five different offers to me, and I turned down four of them. And then I'm embarrassed to say this. Uh, we had, used to have a riding lawnmower. In Alabama, to show you how land prices were back then, we had three quarters of an acre and a tiny little house at the end of a cul-de-sac for only $67,000. <laughs> so when I got the fifth offer that I was like, hey, this is actually legitimate. I said, okay, let me talk to my wife. And, uh, and they said, okay, how long will that be? And I said, I don't know, a couple hours. And they go, it takes that long to talk to your wife? And I said, no, she's out, she's out mowing the grass. <laughs> and then they're like, what? Your wife mows the grass? Like she likes the riding lawnmower. So she rides around and calms down. So there's the, the story of how I got to Kansas City. All right, let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's Big One today, let's talk Suns and let's talk about the trade. The, the game itself is its own category, but the number one opinion I've got for you today feeds right into what we talked about at the time of the trade deadline and the Royce O'Neal move last week. And we said, hold on just a second. Because I thought that was a good trade, not dramatically great, not the greatest thing in the world, but I thought it was a good trade. And I had to admit I was wrong first. I thought having Bates Giop, having Watanabe, having um, some of the other players, all of a sudden I blanked on guys like Metu and and everybody else, but having that group, I thought they were going to be good bench players. Let's face it, they weren't. I don't know what happened to them. I don't know if they couldn't handle the pressure. I don't know if it was, wow, I'm playing with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and they didn't understand, hey, you're paid to do your job. Go be aggressive. And it was just too hard for them to think, I, should I be shooting this shot when Kevin Durant's ready to shoot? You know, you, you think like that, and I totally understand it. But the point was, they weren't that great. I probably shouldn't say this story, but I will never forget. You know, I just won't tell you who it was because that's a little unfair to him. He might not want this story out. And it's not Yoda, I want you to know. But we had a producer on the old show. I'm sorry to say this. He was bad. He was, he was really bad. So the decision was made by management to move him into a different position. However, he was going to finish out the month while they searched for a new producer. That month that he knew he was no longer going to be the producer of the show, he was fantastic. He was fantastic. I mean, it was like, wow, you're really, you can do the job. And he admitted to me, he said, I, so he says, I was just in the mood to, you know, it. And, and once he embraced that of, I've got to accept my own mistakes, be aggressive in life and just go, he was really, really good. I say that about the old bench for the Suns. They might go on to other teams and do well. 
And it might be a case where they just couldn't handle the pressure of, of, of having enough confidence of making the right basketball play. And sometimes the right basketball play is you shoot it. You're the one that's more open. But you see Devin Booker and you think, that's Devin Booker. I've got to get him the ball. So you make this trade because the guys weren't working out. And what did we talk about? We talked about Thaddeus Young being good, but because you traded so many guys, you went from 15 roster spots to 13. I think, you're, I think 12 is the minimum. I might be wrong and 13 is the minimum, but it's 12 or 13 is the minimum. I know that 15 is the max. So once the Suns cleared out room and had thir- 13 players, they had room for two more signings in the buyout market. Strong rumors coming from Adrian Wojnarowski that the deal is almost done. It might have gotten done last night, and I admit I didn't get on Twitter. I forgot to. Thaddeus Young, 18-year veteran. This does not automatically mean they win a championship because you have Thaddeus Young. But you picked up another smart veteran. He, uh, he, he's only averaging 15 minutes a game, but that might be all you need. If you care about the highlights of his career, okay, a long time ago, he, let's see, where are my numbers here? He had his best totals at different points of his career. In 2014, he averaged 18 points a game. But yes, that's 10 years ago. Nine rebounds a game was as high as an average in 2018, not that long ago. But here's what's interesting. Last year was his high in assists. He averaged 4.3 assists a game. That's his all-time high. So as he became less and less of a scorer, he then embraced more and more passing and defense. What do the Suns need off, off the bench? Passing and defense. We've got scorers. So he adds that. The negative is in the last four years, including this year as well, and I realize this year there's still you know another 30 games or so. He's only been averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of, well, let me see, um, about 31 games. That includes three full seasons and this so far 50-game season. He's averaging 30 games a year over the last four years. That's not very good. So hopefully he's fresh, ready to go, and is going to be able to contribute for the long haul. That's something to keep an eye on of what's been going on there. But right now, if you just care about this year, and this makes good sense to talk about, he's averaging five points a game, three rebounds, 2.2 assists, two assists below what he was doing last year, but he had a ton more playing time last year. The big negative on him is he's only shooting 16% from three this year. That's the negative, okay? That's what Thaddeus Young brings to the table. But look what Royce O'Neal did last night. We'll get to that in a minute. And then look at Thaddeus Young and what he now brings to the table. Flip that. That was an Adrian Wojnarowski report. The Arizona Republic, AZ Central, is reporting that the Suns are interested in, and you never know what that's going to mean, Danilo Gallinari. And Gallinari is a good veteran. So there's going to be a lot of teams that want to kick the tires on Gallinari. But I think a lot of NBA veterans are seeing the selfless play 
of the Suns that Booker and Durant are have no problem scoring, but they also have no problem passing, sharing the basketball. And they've been continually saying, we want Grayson Allen to be more aggressive. We want Nurkic to be more aggressive. They are being inclusive and pushing guys to not play subservient roles to, oh my gosh, the great KD. These, they're pushing them to just make the right play. Make the right play. And Gallinari, ever since he kind of calmed down and lost the attitude a little bit, uh, he, I, I think he makes the right play. He's a disaster defensively. He actually has started to care in the last couple of years of realizing, man, if I don't play a little defense, I, I'm not going to be in the league anymore. But it's still not good. So you would be bringing him in just to space the floor a little bit uh, when he comes in off the bench, but you weaken your team defensively. Thaddeus Young, Royce O'Neal raise the bar defensively. Gallinari drops the ball, or drops the bar. But just to have another veteran presence, I think is a wonderful idea for your bench. And he's not going to throw a fit if he's playing two or three minutes because he's there to help win a championship. But who knows in those two or three minutes, all you have to do is hit a couple buckets, sit down, we're happy. Nice job. So when we, Doug's big one today, when we look at that trade, it was incomplete to, to look at the trade for Royce O'Neal and think it was over. You had to remember two spots opened up and I, I include this in the trade. I think you have to. Other people might disagree with me and say, wait, these are guys you got in a buyout. You didn't trade for them, so you can't say they're part of a trade. I understand your opinion. I just disagree with it. I think the Suns made a move like this because guess what? Whether anybody wants to talk about it or not, there's tampering in every league. You're talking to an agent about one of your players. He might be representing a low-level player or he might represent a guy on a two-way contract or a guy in the G League. And you talk about him. You talk about him for a little bit. And then you just happen to say, hey, do you have any clients that might be getting bought out? If you do, let us know. That, uh, let, let us know what he's looking for. Well, maybe it's Thaddeus Young. Maybe the only reason you called the agent was because everybody thought Thaddeus Young was going to be uh, on the buyout market. Maybe everybody knew Gallinari was going to be, so you called Gallinari's agent to talk about other people. And Oh, by the way, if any of your clients get bought out, let, them, let, let us know if they're interested in being a son and let's talk. St- stuff like that happens all the time. I guarantee you, James Jones had an inkling that some of these buyout guys were going to be interested and we needed to clear out room. That's why I consider it part of the Royce O'Neal deal. So there's a chance you traded a Watanabe, a, a Kieda Bates Diop, a... a Metu, you traded these guys and and you're picking up Thaddeus Young, Royce O'Neal, and Danilo Gallinari. I might be dreaming a little bit, but that's what I think is going on. And I think that's fantastic. All right. Speaking of Royce O'Neal, let's talk about the game itself. Royce O'Neal, listen to his fourth quarter. How many times have we talked about the Suns being failures in the fourth quarter? Thaddeus Young, eight points, two assists in the fourth quarter alone. He had nine points for the game. Scored eight of them in the fourth quarter. Hit some clutch buckets. Had five assists total. At one point, Kevin Durant was laughing in the press conference saying, man, I had the ball all night long. I didn't get five assists. And he was praising what Royce O'Neal brought to the table. Royce also had a dunk. He brought instant energy. And what's awesome is how the Suns crowd 
are, are, are acting like he's our long lost son when he's not. He has no connection to the Suns at all. But Suns fans are so good, such a high basketball IQ that they know, hey, we're here to make you feel good. Oh, excuse me. And he comes in and they start clapping for him like crazy. Like, who's this guy? You know, that's the norm for a lot of NBA cities. Everybody else with the Suns fans, they're going crazy for Royce O'Neal, and that makes an instant instant energy for an energy guy already. And he came in and he contributed so much. Let's get into, if you could, Izzy, if you look at the show sheet, let's get into the, the Royce O'Neal first. So give me Vogel 4 if you could. I know it's a little tough when I, uh, when I jump around like that. But Vogel for Frank Vogel had a lot to talk about, and uh, one of them was what kind of energy and what did he see from Royce O'Neal when he got thrown into the fire against the Warriors, and now he's already ready to go and contributing, especially in the fourth quarter. Immediate impact. I mean, he made some big-time plays, right? I mean, it was clear. He battled, you know, when we needed that other guy, especially with Brad going out. You know, we had the you know, five smalls, the late, later lineup, we call it, um, you know, with Eric Gordon in there. And we just we knew at the trade deadline that that's one of our our things. We need another guy that can switch defensively and 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 can be a three point shooter. And um, made a couple big threes and and really just battled. The way he battled defensively was very very impressive. You know beyond what I even expected. And um, you know so for me that's that's him coming in and making an immediate impact on our team. Man, that's awesome. I, I don't, listen. I was a 6'1 power forward. That was a long time ago. That was 30 years ago. You know how much a 6'1 power forward plays? Yeah. I oh, There was like two games in my entire varsity career where I had more points than fouls. Okay. Go in there, foul somebody, take a charge, dive out of bounds. Crowd goes crazy for the geeky 6'1 kid that, uh, that hustles like crazy. And he goes back and sits down and there you go. There's my job. Thank you, Doug, for your four minutes of playing time today. Good job. Good job. Four minutes sometimes. Okay. There was, there was plenty DNP CDs that were, uh, that were in there. Not, not, I shouldn't say that. Not that many. I usually got in, but. It was not glorious. It was not glorious. And then my mother, you know, after every game, you look like kind of a spaz out there. Um, do you think you could be more like David Brixey? You know, no, mom, I can't be like David Brixey. Okay. I'm trying to get a date by diving out of bounds to the visiting cheerleaders. Oh, sorry. Are you okay? Did you ever, is you probably, you were, you were so much better than me as an athlete. You probably never thought of this. And I was kind of cheeseball this way. If the ball was anywhere near the opposing cheerleaders, I would dive out of bounds for it. And then if I hit one of the cheerleaders, obviously totally on accident, this is in the days where, of course, no cell phones, is he? In which I would, well, actually, we did have cell phones, but they were about the size of this desk and only doctors had them. But I would then go up to whoever looked like a young teacher that wasn't from our school that sat next to the cheerleaders. I would go up to that woman after the game and I would ask for the cheerleader's phone number to say, I just want to check and make sure that she's okay. 
and sometimes they would give it to you. Like in those days, there's no security. Nobody's worried about anything. And so sometimes you'd get it or you'd at least get a name. And then if you got a name, you could look something up somewhere in a phone book and then you could figure out somebody's number. And you go, hey, I'm, I'm the guy that dove out of bounds. I'm so sorry that I bumped you. I wish I would have seen you better. Oh my gosh, it's so sweet of you. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, did, you, uh, did you have any like crazy ba- high school basketball stories or were you just actually focused on winning unlike me? Oh, <laughs> uh, actually, this happened just recently. I was talking about one of my games at senior night, and it was one of those games where I just came from a concussion. I had like nine points. I almost had a double-double. So, and I'm talking to this girl that I'm cool with back at home, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I had a really good game. And I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, exaggerating. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I was exaggerating a little bit. And so, I sent her a picture. She's one of the cheerleaders on the opposing team. So she was there at the game, and I was like, what, did, did, did you see number 15? You know, I'm like, did you, did, did you see me go out there? The dunk wasn't real. Like, you know, I'm like, but so, <laughs> so pretty much it, it turned it off horrible. But yeah, yeah that's not, not, not too bad of a year. <laughs> did, was, was the concussion affecting your ability to remember she was there the whole time? <laughs> it, it had to have been. Yeah. It had to have been. That's pretty classic. That's pretty classic. Congratulations on that one. And uh, sorry to tell you, I, I looked, I knew that story was coming and I looked it up and she's like a really well-off surgeon now really no I not really I just was just I was just saying boy you blew it I mean look what you would have had right now she could have funded your own TV station or something like that oh yeah I'd be on a yacht right now (laughs) (laughs) that's good let's get into uh Booker and what he did this is really cool here are uh here are the numbers Walter Davis has 15,666 points as a son. Booker is about 1750 below him. So finish off this season and let's say Booker is somewhere around 145. So let's say right around this time, maybe a little more into March of next year, Devin Booker becomes the all-time leading scorer in Phoenix Suns history. He passed Alvin Adams who had the number 2 spot last night. And I think a lot of you know this if you're really hardcore Suns fan you know this but maybe some of you don't Alvin Adams is actually an employee I don't know if he's an employee of the Suns or an employee of of the city I really don't remember which but he's the facilities manager of the arena the arena is owned by the city, but it's run by the Suns. That's why I admit I don't know for sure who is Alvin Adams' employee. He's a fantastic guy, and he's fantastic at running the arena. He really does a good job. But what's remarkable about Alvin Adams is the guy does zero in self-promotion. I mean, absolutely zero. If somebody doesn't tell you, that guy's in the ring of honor. As you walk by him, all you think is, that's a tall guy. I bet he played basketball. You know, that's the excitement. He does nothing to tell the world, I'm Alvin Adams, second leading scorer in Suns history, now third. Nothing like that. But he knows the players very well. They respect him. And imagine Devin Booker, rookie for the Phoenix Suns, 19 years old. That's Alvin Adams, and and there's a guy you can always talk sons with and get to know the history, and now you have this long career with the same franchise, and now you pass him. I mean, that's really, really cool, and Alvin Adams is a – I mean, I listen, I haven't talked to Alvin in a little while, but I guarantee you he's thrilled for Devin Booker. 
I guarantee you. He's like every athlete, no matter who you are, whenever somebody passes you in anything, it sticks. You know, you, you're like, man, I, I wish I would have had that. But there are certain guys where you feel like, I don't want to be passed. But if I am passed, I want it to be by that guy. You know, and that is totally how Alvin Adams would feel about Devin Booker right now. And it's really cool to hope that the day comes that he's the number one leading scorer. Let's get from Frank Vogel. Uh, Frank, when you hear 13,918 points, second most in Suns history, and he does it in a win, 25 points in a game you only win by five. Uh, what do you think about D-Book's performance tonight and all, all of his career? Spectacular. You know, I mean, he just played a hell of a second half. Played a hell of a first half. He just didn't make shots, and, and he was, you know, playing through double teams and, and getting others involved. Um, but, you know, he has, he's got a unique uh, knack for just feeling the game out, you know, and um, taking advantage of what the defense has given him in the, in the first half and, and, and facilitating and, um, you know, finding a way to, you know, get the ball up to the basket, even through the double teams in the second half. And like I said, score 20 in the second half, big part of the W. How about that? Five points in the first half, 25 points for the game for Devin Booker. Give a lot of credit to everybody else for keeping it close. Uh, I th- this is all the top of my head. I think the Kings were up by about five, six points, maybe it was, at the end of the first half. And I thought the Suns closed the second quarter really poorly. Did a dramatically better job. Third quarter, they come out really well. And then the Kings owned the middle stretch of the third quarter, got right back uh, into the lead. And then the Suns, end of the third, beginning of the fourth, just torched the Kings. Final score ended up close because the Kings came back. But really, Suns had a great stretch, third quarter and fourth quarter. And it's something that uh, Kevin Durant's been all over lately of staying true. If you want to have a great fourth quarter, let's have a great push at the end of the third. Win that final, a lot of people call it the final two. Win that final two of the third quarter to set up momentum going into the fourth quarter. Devin, your turn. When we say you are the second greatest scorer in Phoenix Suns history, how do you feel about passing Alvin Adams? Um, Hard to put the words, um, especially passing Alvin. You know, somebody that I have a a high respect for, somebody that's been around this organization, um, not just as a player, but um, as a facility manager, always being hands-on and, you know, just, you know, his presence is there and been there from the beginning. So, you know, big shout out to Alvin. I don't know if you care to judge athletes as people. You know, I mean, on the one hand, who are we to judge anybody? But on the other hand, what do we do all day? We judge people. I mean, let's let's not run from it. Let's wish we didn't do it as much. Um, Let's focus. I would say focus on our own beam that's sticking out of our head than the splinter in somebody else's eye. But at the same time, we're human and it happens. But if you want to judge athletes, just little things. David Booker nailed Alvin Adams's job title. He didn't say you're the guy that runs the arena. Not that that's bad if he didn't know. But that's true respect where you know. You've gotten to know people. You've accepted them as a previous generation who accomplished things, given them their respect, and you know what the guy does, the facilities manager. I mean, that's that's a small thing. I was blown away by Devin Booker. Listen, I... 
I didn't know who to draft that late when Ryan McDonough turned in the card and said Devin Booker. I'm a huge draft, Nick. I knew Devin Booker, uh, who he was. I knew he was a bench player for Kentucky, but I knew he had something special. But I also knew he was 19 years old. And, like, there's no way that was a slam dunk. I think he was the best player on the board. But there's no way you know how a 19-year-old's going to come out. But Ryan McDonough tells some great stories about Devin Booker's workouts, his competitiveness in the workouts, and how much he just wanted to win every workout. And when you are not a slam dunk top five, top six pick, you're usually kind of forced into working out with other players. So then they get to see your two-on-two game. So they get to see more of who you are as a person on how far you're going to push yourself to win. And they saw everything they wanted to see in D-Book as a guy that competes like crazy. Well, I say that, Because for me, when I was totally sold on Devin Booker was when Al McCoy went into the ring of honor. Devin Booker did not not sit for halftime in the locker room. He went in there real quick, you know, while they were setting up, got some words from coach, and then got permission to come out and sit on the bench. And he watched all of the Al McCoy induction ceremony. When you notice something like that, you can tell that's a guy who wants to be a part of a franchise for life. He wants to be a guy that isn't someone that jumps for the next championship. He's someone that wants you to come to him. My gravity is strong enough that you come to me and I'm going to help us build a champion. I'm not going to be selfish on the court, make the right play on the court. But off the court, yeah, I'm going to lead. And I want to win, but I want to do it with respect for the people that came before me. On top of that, it's the play-by-play guy. I mean, for you and I, we can love Al McCoy all we want. For a player to respect what Al McCoy means to the city and to the team and to be out there, and then I think, I forget which game it was, but one of Devin Booker's you know crazy games of 60, or I think the game where he became the highest scorer of the building of America West Arena, U.S. Airways Center, Talking Stick Resort Arena, and Footprint Center. When he became the uh, highest scorer in a single game, he signed the jersey and gave it to Al McCoy. Just things like that make you go, wow, what a dude. To have that much greatness bestowed on you and that much respect for people that have also had great careers. Here's Kevin Durant, one of the greatest players of all time, talking about who Book is and why he deserves an honor like being the second leading scorer of all time. Yeah, I mean, just a savant of the game. The work he puts in um, shows up on game nights every night. And uh, he inspires a whole generation of players, you know. So this is, as he hit these milestones, it's just actually what I expect him to do at this point, you know. And he deserves to be the number one all-time leading scorer in Suns history with the the work he's put in. So I can't wait for that day. I don't know how many points he got until he passed that, you know. Also, another season or two, another season. And, um... And that just shows, you know, he hit the ground running as a rookie and hasn't looked back since. And uh, it's meant so much to the people here in Phoenix and in the state of Arizona. So congrats to him. But I know he wants number one. I loved that quote. And the reason why I love that quote so much is 
there's just such a high basketball IQ with KD, and he's so underspoke, understated that you you like everybody else knows it in the outs or the inside world of basketball, but not a lot of us get exposed to it. And you just if you had the chance to watch it on WTSMTV.com right there, you, I think you saw it. If I don't know if it translated as well for those of you that are just listening to the podcast, so I'd love for I should say just listening, man. I need you. So that that. That takes effort. Thank you. That was kind of a crappy comment by me. But I admit, I'd love for you to come over and and watch us live on WTSMTV.com as well. But when he gave that quote, he said he deserves to be the number one. And then he, and then he okay, how, how far is he? And I could not hear what was said. But I believe Dwayne Rankin said something like 1,600 or something. Officially, the total off the top of, of my head is... Uh, 14, 9, add another 7. I, I, I'm going to say it's about 1,748, let's say. I, I'm kind of making that up as I go. But about 1,748 points. And as they shout out numbers, immediately Katie goes, okay, that's 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 a season and a half. And then he goes, he deserve, he. I know he wants to be number one. And it's okay to say that because – I don't think a player like, you know, Devin Booker wants to be number two in anything. But at the same time, I don't like it if people want to just wipe somebody else away from history. Like, tell me how you feel about this. This might be a good Town Hall Tuesday topic. And Izzy, I'd like you to know, before I tell you my opinion, Jack Nicholas has 18 majors. Okay, it's just crazy. What's even crazier about it is if you look up how many times he finished second or third. I think the guy like has over 30 top two uh, second place or third place finishes. So the guy is right there to win over 50 majors. Yet second place is Tiger at I think 15. I think Tiger's got 15. So think about that. Jack could have been around 50. Tiger's at at 15. However, ever since Tiger was young, two, three majors, he was talking about passing Jack. I want Jack. And that I, I, I wasn't going to tell you what I thought. What do you think when you hear him say, I want to pass Jack for number one? crazy <laughs> <laughs> okay good answer does it bug you or do you salute him do you say man it's awesome that you want to be number one or do you think like what are you doing just win the night like where are you in in the motivation behind that I'd love the confidence in it. Okay. See, that's You know, I'm glad you're here because you do a great job disagreeing with me on just about everything. <laughs> Is I looked at it, it always bothered me because. I want the competitive to be number one that day. Like, listen, if you and I are playing a board game, I want I want you to curse Parker Parker Brothers by the time the game's over, all right? I want you to never want to play me again. So you always know you walk into my house, you're the loser, okay? I want to win everything I do. And 90% of the time, it's a really good thing. 10% of the time, it turns me into a jerk, okay? And I, I got to get better as a human being about it. But I bring this up because I, it was like Tiger wanted to erase Jack from the record book. And I first of all, you're not going to get there. I, I got lucky to get that one right because Tiger's great. But at the same time, it was annoying to me because I didn't look at that as confidence. I looked at that as erasing the memory bank. 
I don't mind. I look at Devin Booker and I say, if you become a son and the first thing you think of isn't championships, it's I want to replace Walter Davis as number one. I just, eh, what? What? No. But if it's I want to win a championship and now that I'm here at number two, okay, you know, okay, I'm, I'm okay with it because I never believe Devin Booker is ever going to put an individual stat ahead of winning a championship ever. Uh, one of my favorite, I don't know why I get onto this, one of my favorite combine type questions, okay? And by the way, the combine, oh boy, the combine comes up and I think in a week, here we go. I'm a draft Nick, love the combine, a lot of combine stuff coming on Unplugged. But um, one of my favorite questions that I've heard asked at combines is this, and Izzy, I'm going to ask you this question and we'll see, and I, I want you to think of yourself. Uh, and maybe you already do as a high-level Division One athlete, okay? Right. And just nobody knew that you should have been. But you're a high-level Division One athlete. You believe that you, you – I shouldn't say you believe. You know for a fact you're a first-round pick. You've got that much skill, and you've got that much expectation going into the NFL. So with that much confidence, that much belief, that much expectations, I ask you this as the scout in the room. If you had to pick one – would you rather have a Super Bowl ring from a team you earned or a Hall of Fame jacket? Hall of You get inducted into the Hall of Fame with a gold jacket. What would be more important to you? Uh, I'd, I'd go for the Super Bowl. I'd go for the Super Bowl all the way. See, there's a lot of people that say there's no wrong answer to that question at all. And... I would get into this argument all the time with the great uh, American philosopher by the name of Ron Wolfley. And I would I would be on your side, Izzy. I want the Super Bowl ring. And he would always argue for the gold jacket. And he would say that's not selfish because you if you earn a gold jacket, that means you are one of the most elite to ever do it at your position. And therefore... You did all you could to help your team win the Super Bowl. There's a, 10 other guys on the field other than you. There's an entire scouting department and coaching staff. There's an owner who either spends or doesn't spend. There's all of these factors that you have zero control over in order to win a Super Bowl. Therefore, the only thing you can control is your effort and preparation and if you got yourself into the hall of fame your effort and preparation must have been so fantastic that you did all you could to win super bowls i understand when i hear that explanation why somebody would think like that but what about a guy that maybe is going for an interception because he wants that pick. He wants that. The guy that goes for a sack but abandons his run responsibility. Is that really helping getting your team to the Super Bowl? But it is helping you possibly go to the Hall of Fame. That I can't get over that thought. Now, it's not like an offensive lineman. You know, an offensive lineman, what is he going to do? I'm supposed to block this guy, but man, I got a chance to get a pancake block out here. So I'm going to abandon my... Okay, that doesn't happen. But isn't it interesting? Don't you believe every receiver other than Larry Fitzgerald and Jerry Rice were like, hey, I just want to catch balls. Yeah, yeah. listen, I don't care about going to winning a Super Bowl as long... I want to win a Super Bowl as long as I catch 10 balls every game. As long as I've got 90 yards and receptions every game. Yeah, I got two touchdowns. I'm okay going for this Super Bowl thing. You know, I'm, 
I'm a big guy into the Super Bowl and, uh, and and being a champion versus, hey, look, I'm a Hall of Famer. Now, I admit to everybody, if I had that kind of skill, and I don't know if you're this way too, Izzy, once I retire, oh yeah, I went to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because now who am I competing against, right? Yeah, but then you look at guys like in like Eric Dickerson, where it's like, yeah, I mean, I made it to the Hall of Fame, but then what is the biggest criticism? You know, yep. what's the biggest critique on you? I haven't seen the big game. I haven't yep. seen the big game at all. Yep. So that's always gonna be that's always gonna taint your legacy when you're a Hall of Famer. When you're a Super Bowl champion, nobody really cares if you're a Hall of Famer. To you're be right honest with you. You know, it's such an interesting concept because I I hope it's not because Dan Marino's a good guy. We need to treat oh, yeah. everybody evenly. Dan Marino got to one Super Bowl. I believe it was his second year in the league. I might be wrong, and it was his rookie year in the league. But he lost to Joe Montana in the Super Bowl and felt like, hey, I'm gonna have a long career. I'm gonna grow from this and get right back. He never went back. Never went back to the Hall of Fame. And when you just break down, break down, break down the quarterback position, nobody's ready to say he's Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Terry Bradshaw wasn't a great quarterback, but he's 4-0 in Super Bowls. You know, there's different levels. The thing about Marino, even though his passing totals would look great in today's modern age, Look at his numbers compared to everybody else of the same era. The numbers he was putting up are crazy. And Miami couldn't get back to the Super Bowl with him. I I don't allow it mentally to taint his legacy. I look at him as one of the greats of all time. And I argue he belongs in the conversation as one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. But as soon as we get into that list, what do I do? Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. (laughs) So I'm the same way as you, is he? Did you win the championships? That's what's crazy about Mahomes. I mean... Do you really think, if you you want to focus on Tom Brady for a second, just think about this. Not only does he have six rings with the Patriots, one with Tampa Bay, but two of the Super Bowls he lost, one of them was the David Tyree catch in Glendale. Do not forget that. Do not forget that was a third down crazy play. Eli should have been sacked. In that day and age, they were starting to call in the grasp all the time. Nobody knows why they didn't call it. And then Tyree catches it on his helmet to convert a third down. It took that to beat the Patriots. And then another loss was the amazing pass from Eli Manning to Mario Manningham along the sideline, which to me is still the greatest pass in the history of the Super Bowl. I totally believe that. That that little bitty window, the timing, that was incredible that he was able to convert that. Those are the two games that Tom Brady didn't win. Now, we could all, if, if we're going to give two to him and add to his total of seven, say he should have had nine, maybe you take one away for the Malcolm Butler interception <laughs> and say, okay, well, you weren't doing anything on the field and what in the world? What in the world was the coaching staff doing? We have Marshawn Lynch. Let's not use him. Okay. <laughs> Did Tom Brady really earn that one? Maybe not. Okay. But at least give him one of the other two, the David Tyree one. Give him that one. Now, why did I bring that up? Can Pat Mahomes really catch him? I mean, it's really easy to say, wow, he's 3-1 and one in Super Bowls. That's incredible. Okay, it is incredible. And he's young. Okay, it is incredible. And he's got Andy Reid. Okay, all of that is true. But it's so easy to forget because we got so used to Tom Brady's greatness that that's insane what Tom Brady did. Insane. 
I mean, Pat Mahomes could win two more Super Bowls and be in second place in the history of the game and still need to win another three to pass Patrick Mahomes, okay? You still have to do that. That, Let me get real how hard that is. So I don't want to hear Pat Mahomes say, I want to pass Tom Brady. I want to have more rings than Tom Brady. I I want him to have the idea of, I want to win next year. I want to win this game right this game right here. Now, if Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes are sitting there having a beer, oh, it'll come up. <laughs> Seven to three, big guy. That's funny. That's funny when it's between the two of them. Uh, where am I at? Uh, let's go with. Um, let's go to Booker. Uh, if you could, I'll take Booker two and three right now, Izzy. And this was kind of interesting. Really deep question. Devin, you're scoring pretty well in Kentucky, but you're you're coming off the bench. Then you're a rookie in the NBA, and you're trying to figure things out. When did you know? When did you know? Even if it was high school, but when when did you know at a high level you could be a big buckets kind of guy? Uh, I say, you know, I've always been a confident person, but. You know, self-doubt has, you know, drove me and driven me to the level I am right now. Um, you know, just walking into any gym. I remember when I got to Kentucky, I was like, man, these dudes are good. <laughs> these dudes are good. But then you get on the floor, and man, that's just when it becomes my comfort space and something I'm comfortable with. Same thing with the league. Um, a lot of guys I respect here that are, you know, super talented. And, you know, I just want to come in and perform against the best. I don't know about you. I thought that was so deep. Man, is like easily rip me if you think I'm reading into something. But the reason why I grabbed onto that quote, I've always been a confident guy, but I've been driven by self-doubt. That that seems like two polar opposites, but it makes great sense. And then when you combine it with what he said about Kentucky, Man, these dudes are good. And his eyes lit up. If you weren't watching it on WTSMTV.com, his eyes lit up like a, like a starry-eyed kid. Like, oh, my gosh. And it's almost like saying, there's no way. I mean, these guys are good. There's no way. Yet, there was no fear to compete. There was no attitude of, I can't compete with these guys. It was acknowledgement of how good they are. But once I get out there... Why not give my best? There's Unplugged Army. There's a, there's a small group of people in the world, and it's really sad. And help these people if you find them. There's a small group of people that don't give everything they have because of fear, not because they're lazy. Some people are just lazy, yes. Some people don't give everything they have for a psychological reason, and it's kind of gross. It's the fear of finding out they're not good enough, so they'd rather give less than their all and then come up with some excuse. Well, the coach didn't like me. My boss did this. Well, the economy did this. Well, they're not hiring. My dream job is, you know, whatever it is, they don't want to go all out. They don't tell themselves this. They don't wake up in the morning and look at the mirror and say, do whatever it takes to not give it your all. Okay. They don't, they, but it's subconscious. They won't give their all because they don't want to find out it's their fault. They'd rather make the excuses.
Listen to what Devin Booker said. Okay, not false confidence. I'm a confident person, but I'm driven by self-doubt. Man, these dudes are good, but he still got on the court and still didn't allow his own self-doubt to dictate fate. He allowed fate to be determined with him giving everything he had. And then having the confidence to know if it doesn't work, we'll figure it out. That's why I want the Unplugged Army to be this unbelievable economic machine that we're all picking each other up. Okay, I think I do a great job of picking you up most most days. Monday, I was I was a jerk and I brought you down. And now, okay, now now my my day to pick you back up. And some of you, like General Stavo, picked me up uh, on uh, after Monday. Things like that. That that's us. And I, a lot of people will think, man, why do you spend so much time talking about one Devin Booker quote? That's why I get so jacked up. I'm confident, driven by self doubt. Don't be afraid of your self-doubt. Attack it. If there's something that you have dreamed of doing, man, can I talk about this after getting fired? If there's something you've dreamed of doing, do it. If you haven't dreamed of doing, don't give in to the self-doubt that says you can't do something. It's okay to fail if you give everything you've got. Because you know why? You will learn something in the process that sets you up for the next thing. Who knows what you're going to learn through that failure, but don't let the fear of the failure grip you. And as a dad, I was really clear with my kids. We're going to try this and it might go up in smoke. And they're both so, hey, it's okay, daddy. Good luck. We believe in you. And man, I don't want to let them down. That that, that fear drove me as well of having to tell my kids, yeah, uh, Doug Franz Unplugged was a huge failure. uh, And daddy is moving to Winnipeg to talk hockey. And uh, that's my only chance at being a talk show. (laughs) Okay, whatever it is. I I did not want to have that speech. But you realize your family would have been, okay, we'll make it work. Whatever's next is next. We'll deal with it. And that's why I love what Devin Booker was talking about right there. Um, The next one is Booker is talking about the team and the city a little bit of passing alvin adams but knowing his knowledge of history and what it means to pass people in the standings and and everything it means to be a son and i i just loved how he threw in this little tidbit and like how i started he's always been involved and hands-on and somebody to talk to all those guys mark west like they you know, there's, I'd say there's usually a divide between, you know, the older generation and the new. And um, these guys took me in with open arms and, and showed me love from the beginning. So, you know, I can't thank them enough for that. And, you know, that's part of the reason I can call Phoenix home. That's cool. Uh, that's cool. I got one more Booker for you in a minute, but he's talking about the Pistons. So I want to finish up talking about last night's game for, uh, for the Suns, their 130-125 win over Sacramento. Uh, just a quick update. Uh, Bradley Beal left the game, so they won this game with Bradley Beal only playing about five or six minutes, something like that. Uh, Coach, what's going on with uh, with Beal? That's a good question. I know he's out tomorrow. Uh, I don't know what they're calling exactly, but he pulled his hamstring. You know, so um, strain his hamstring. We'll call. It, I'll call it a strain. Okay, hamstring strain. Uh, it'll be out tomorrow, but they don't think it's too serious. So hopefully, with the break, right, right after tomorrow's game. Um, he doesn't miss too much more time. We'll see where he's at. Hamstrings are one one of the worst things because once it goes, you're babying it for a long time. God forbid it happens, but man, if it's got to happen. 
boy, is this a perfect time for it to happen. They play one of the worst teams in NBA history tonight in the Detroit Pistons. He'll take that night off. Then he's got Thursday night off, Friday night off, Saturday night off, Sunday night off, Monday night, Tuesday night. I believe their next game is next Thursday. I might be wrong that's a week from today, the 21st, but I believe their next game is until the 22nd. So he's got a full week to rest the hamstring. And I mean total rest, not just uh, reduced minutes. He's going to be fine. That makes you feel good. Uh, The next one is Frank Vogel. I I like this because it's a deep dive. For those of you that love basketball, I think you like deep dives. But here's Frank Vogel talking about the plan in defending the Kings, who are basically run up and down the floor and try to beat you in transition yeah i mean it was really just how are we going to get the stops you know um you can say with our, our bigger lineup matches up better but you know they're they're such a rhythm offense that uh you try to disrupt some of the thing with some of your off ball switching and and the pressure that you're trying to bring to sabonis who's averaging near a triple double um those doesn't always work and we've seen that you know, it, it, we haven't had success, you know, with our with our traditional lineups. So you just try to muck the game up. And a lot of teams will throw a zone out there or, or something. We just went to to our some of our reds and smaller lineups. Also bonus away from the basket. It, it opened up some things for us offensively. But, it uh, you know, it's all them out. I, I don't know if they've, you know, shot only 31 threes in a game this year. That's a low, very low number for them. I don't know if they've made under 10 in, in too many games this year. So uh, they got a ton of points in the paint. But. You know, we took away the, the, the three ball with uh, with some of those coverages. And I want to shout out Nurk for, you know, seeing that the game has gone to a small ball game. But when they went on a run and we came back to Nurk, Nurk made some big time plays, big time plays. And that's that's a tough mental shift when you think it's it's gone away. You know, the game has gone away from, you know, your uh, your role and uh, to be able to come back in and impact the, you know, the winning the way he did was um, you know, a great performance. That actually should get you a little fired up. You remember all the games that we've seen this, the, the Suns really struggle defensively, and you're looking at Frank Vogel saying, you're supposed to be this defensive genius. What's going on here? The thing that make this, makes this awesome is the way they chose to defend the Kings as they went small pretty early. Going small means you're faster, but it's harder to rebound. And, man, it showed there was some great rebounding going on by the Kings and some bad offensive rebounds given up. But it's a hustle game. Number one, are you willing to sell out and hustle to stop the Kings in transition? Suns did a good job of that. However, once you're in transition, you're just guarding the guy nearest you, which creates massive matchup problems. Kings have a lot of good offensive players. I think you've you've heard about it, but if you didn't, Sabonis had a crazy triple-double. 35 points, 15 or 18 rebounds, 12 assists. And De'Aaron Fox had 40 points, nine boards, six assists, three steals. Those two played great. But there was always somebody in front of them. And then, like he said, once they were in position but kind of bad mismatches, but at least in a position, then they did a lot of off-ball switches. That takes great execution and focus and shoot around. That's kind of what what has me excited about that game. You had the hustle aspect defensively, and you had the execution. And the last thing that he spoke about was Nurkic. Because they went small, Nurkic's numbers were really bad. But he's crediting Nurkic for going to the bench, staying mentally locked in, and then when they wanted to change it up and go big at the end, 
then boom, he's ready and made some good fourth quarter plays and didn't check out mentally, didn't get all upset. Why aren't I playing? Why don't we go big to compete with them? Why don't, you, know, you don't question it. You sit down and you shut up and then you go in there when you're called upon and you bring it. And Nurkic did that. So good shout out from Vogel. Uh, what are you most impressed with, Frank? Uh, what, w- what would you say is the thing that, uh, that you really liked about your team's performance? Yeah, the composure was very impressive with our guys. You know, they, they made some runs and, uh, you know, we try to keep them, keep them settled. You know, I mean, it was even at one point they, they went on a run and I took Kevin Durant out. That's not typically what you do <laughs> when the other team's on a run, but it's a long game. You got to, you got to keep fresh bodies in there. And, um, you know, those guys uh, throughout the game, when the other, t- when, when the Kings were making runs, showed great composure to just, uh, you know, stick with what we we're doing, make, you know, subtle adjustments where we needed to. And, uh, and then be the team that makes the next run. The, the reason why I wanted you to hear that is just whenever I – I think there's been a lot of games where they weren't composed. So I'm, I'm frustrated with the Golden State loss, but things are moving in a, a positive direction. All right, here is Devin Booker with about tonight's game because this is pretty cool. It's Monty Williams. You're playing Monty Williams, Detroit. Hey, what does this game tonight mean to you, Book, to take on your old head coach? Yeah, I mean, I'd be here all day. Um, finally found stability, you know, in, in my career. And, you know, I think starting with the the bubble run in the year before um, till now, Mount was a huge part of that um, in setting the culture, setting the foundation and, you know, turning Phoenix basketball back into winning basketball. Hmm. That's cool. That's very, very deserved. Uh, I'm on board with him getting fired. But I'm also on board with the video tribute, the thanks, you know, give him the flowers for today. I think he uh, I think he deserves it. Uh, Izzy, this is not very often I do something like this, but I really don't know what's best. We probably have time for one more topic coming up uh, after uh, the revenue generating portion of the show. So I ask you, what interests you more? Are you more interested if you didn't know, because you already know where we're going, but if you didn't know about Draymond Green, would you be more interested in hearing Draymond Green give us a son's beatdown, or would you be more interested in Kyle Shanahan not recanting in any way? Which one grabs you more? I do, I do like the Draymond topic. I do Done. Like the Draymond topic. Done. So coming up next, I want a quick history lesson with Andy Reid. I'm kind of, I'm really interested in what uh, Andy Reid said, so I want to get to that. We'll save the Kyle Shanahan for tomorrow. Let's get to Draymond Green all over Nurkic. Is it deserved? That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. This time of year is absolute murder on your heating and cooling system in your home. Call Parker & Sons, 6022 Repair. Get a complete checkup. Here's why. You know what it's like this time of year in Phoenix. One day we've got 85 degrees, the next day we've got a high of 50. You're going from heater to air conditioner, sometimes in the same day. Get a checkup to make sure the routine maintenance is taken care of. Join the Parker family plan. Call 6022-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Burrito Express started with my father about... 
25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. If you're listening to the podcast right now, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, tune in. Thank you. But you didn't hear what just happened on WTSFTV.com. And I think I have this quote correct. Look out for Cupid's arrow coming up on Wednesday's main event. Now, I, I admit I don't know what I'm talking about. But when I think of Cupid, Valentine's Day, and romance, I do not think of Steve McCollum and Dale Hellstrick. <laughs> just, just give, just, hey, as, 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 keep it real a little bit there. I just, I don't know. Hearing Steve talk about Cupid, that, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. Uh, let me quickly get to Andy Reid, save Kyle Shanahan for tomorrow, and then let's run with what, what Izzy's suggestion with some hardcore Draymond Green. Uh, I just love the, the history of football, and I'm glad that Andy Reid talked about it. Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid both come from the West Coast football tree, and everybody says it's West Coast, uh, West Coast because of the 49ers and because of Bill Walsh. When that was said to Andy Reid, listen to what Andy Reid says about it. Yeah, yeah, and you can even take it further to Paul Brown, uh, who yeah. taught Bill Walsh. And I mean, that's something. I mean, uh, to say that it's time tested is probably an understatement. Uh, but it's, uh, uh, and they are different. Very, we, we've stretched ours in a certain direction, and and Kyle's done the same thing. Uh, but it's. Um, it's you know like i said it's time tested and really a good deal he you know kyle did a heck of a job this year and i i don't want to let that slide uh on this he he really is a heck of a football coach and i that game could have gone either way that was one of those those kind of games and uh i'm fortunate to say we came out on our side on the positive side but it could have easily been it could have easily gone that other way Okay, here's why that jacks me up, old school football-wise. There's basically two types of offense in the NFL. Not, not. I mean, there's more, but basically the West Coast offense and the numeric system. Numeric system is from Don Coryell, Air Coryell, super old school coach, just got into the Hall of Fame, I think, two years ago. The West Coast offense, everybody calls it that because Bill Walsh made it famous with Joe Montana and the 49ers, and because it's on the West Coast, it became the West Coast offense. That's not where it started. This is going to make you laugh. The West Coast offense started in Cleveland. (laughs) Yes, in Cleveland. And I'm so glad Andy Reid threw that out there. The current owner of the Cincinnati Bengals is a guy named Mike Brown. All right. He knows nothing. He's one of the worst owners in sports. His dad was brilliant. Paul Brown. And Paul Brown is the one that invented that offense, won a bunch of championships in Cleveland, needed more money, sold majority shares to Art Modell. The team is named, if you ever, why are the team named the Browns? Why are they a color? It's not a color. It's named after the man, Paul Brown. 
He was that great of a coach and he owned the team. Art Modell then fired the guy that was actually the team was named after. So he went to Cincinnati and started the Bengals as an expansion franchise. The West Coast offense is his offense. Now, one of the great stories in all of football is he, we don't use this term anymore, but I, I bet you've heard the term. And I want to ask you if you've heard it. Have you ever heard the term taxi squad? I never knew the meaning of it. Okay, this is awesome. But you have heard that phrase. Yes. Yes. Nowadays, we just say the practice squad. It's always called the practice squad or something else. It used to be called the taxi squad. And here's why. The NFL had rules on how many players you could have on a roster. And Paul Brown was worried that guys would get hurt in practice because he still wanted to hit. He wanted to have old school physical. Old school then was school. but, But he wanted to have old school physical practices but he didn't want guys to get beat up and he was worried about when somebody got gets hurt in a game finding other players during the week so here's what he did he started a taxi service like real life yellow taxis in cleveland of all places and who did he hire to drive football players that weren't quite good enough to make the team so they would drive taxis at night, but they would run, help be practice dummies in a sense and run physical practices during the day. And then if somebody got hurt, they would get called out of the cab. They'd get called off of the taxi squad, and then they would be a regular member of the Cleveland Browns. So the taxi squad was totally invented by Paul Brown as his own practice squad. That's why the term taxi squad exists. That's how brilliant Paul Brown is. And the guy never gets any credit for anything because Bill Walsh won Super Bowls. Paul Brown won world championships in the old NFL before the merger, but then struggled in the later years with the Browns and never really got over the hump with the Bengals. The Bengals didn't get good until he just focused on being the general manager. And then in 1981, who did they lose to? Bill Walsh and the 49ers. (laughs) running Paul Brown's offense. The West, but now it's called the West Coast offense. There's your cool history lesson. And I was just thrilled that Andy Reid said that in his press conference yesterday. If there's time, we'll do more football in a minute and talk Kyle Shanahan. I don't think there will be though, because I really want to get to this. I don't want to set this up in any way and and kind of get into your head as a, as a viewer of WTSMTV.com or a member of the Unplugged Army and you're listening. Let you decide how you feel about this before I tell you how I feel about it. Draymond Green did his podcast, talked about a lot of different things, but then went to the Suns game and listened to the things he said about Nurkic, about Kevin Durant, and... His own greatness. This is straight from the middle section of the Draymond Green podcast that was recently dropped yesterday. That was a fun game. Uh, that was a fun game because, A, it was a big game. It's, you know, a Saturday night before the Super Bowl. That's prime time. Um, it's the Phoenix Suns coming in here. Uh, obviously, the whole thing with me getting suspended against the Phoenix Suns and little guy. Um. yeah, the little guy uh, and all of that stuff. And so, you know, there was a build-up to this game. It's my first time seeing them since that happened and blah, blah, blah. And then it's also their first time seeing this Dubs team. So they've seen us before, but this is their first time seeing this Dubs team. 
And so I thought, um, you know, the game lived up to to what everyone thought it would do, uh, everyone thought it would be. Uh, Steph Curry, again, his heroics, um, knocking that shot down. I I knew it was money as soon as it left his hand. You could just tell he got the look he wanted. He knew it. He kind of started doing this little turn, not turning all the way, but you could tell it was money. Such an incredible shot. However, what was what was more pleasing than even the shot was that we were actually able to finish it off this time. Uh, he's hit that shot, not that particular one, but he's hit big shots all year, and we haven't been able to close the deal a lot of the times. And so it was huge to actually close the deal. And we had to do that with not one, but two defensive stops. And um, I thought that was uh, that was fulfilling because it shows the growth. Uh, of this team. You know, we've been getting in this situation and giving up a bucket. Uh, Wiggs, who I thought made a very good play on the game, usually not a call that's called at the end of the game, a free ball in there, knocked the ball down, call a foul. However, we had a foul to give. And then they try to throw it over the top, over me to KD. And <clears throat> interestingly enough, interestingly enough um, I knew that they were going to try to go to KD, which is why I switched the matchups and put myself on KD that last um, that last possession. And, you know, uh, I saw a few people saying, oh, that was contact, like marginal contact. Uh, my hands are straight up. I'm vertical. I get ball and game over. Uh, but that was a fun game. Following that game, <clears throat> the little guy goes in the media. And the little guy goes in the media and he says, I take my words back. He doesn't deserve another chance. It's only a matter of time before he hits someone else. And quite frankly, I would love to know, why is it only a matter of time before I hit someone else? Because I destroyed him? Because what in that game that happened with me would make you say something like that other than getting embarrassed because you're just not good enough. You're not good enough offensively. You had Steph Curry on post-ups and you got nothing. Um, quite frankly, outweighs me by 80 pounds and six inches taller than me. That's one thing. Outweighs Steph Curry by about 120 pounds and about nine inches taller than him and could not score on him on, on the block. Um, Towers over Clay by about five inches, outweighs Clay by about 90 to 100 pounds. Could not score on Clay Thompson on the block. Little guy tries to post up, tries to back me down, only to shoot a hook shot from the dotted, not the restricted area, from the dotted line in the paint, which means you made no progress on getting towards the rim. Shoots a nasty hook shot for his sixth point of the game, which is his last point of the game, and decides to, decides to do an overtly too small celebration. Slapping the floor, the whole thing, and quite frankly, you're just not good enough to do things like that. Um, I watched that same little guy play against someone not long before us and they shot a three and he stood under the rim and waved at him and got the rebound. And quite frankly, <clears throat> you see clowns like that do things like that 
And it's actually very disrespectful to the game. It's disrespectful to the player that you're doing it to. And so the clown, then I catch the ball on the block. And the clown decides to kind of turn his body towards me. All right, well, bring your chest here. Because now your shoulder should meet my chest. You should get put in the rim. And then that's what happened. Oh, and by the way, we all can do the little slap the floor too small celebration. The little guy then goes, like I said, went into the media complaining. Like, I did something to him as if he didn't do the too small celebration. And then he starts to question my character. What a coward. You go questioning character about a basketball game that you just lost, that you got destroyed. And the only thing you should talk about is how you got punished. Yeah, that's what happened. Very, I, I, I must say. Not very surprised that he went to the media and said what he said because that's the same guy that laid out on the floor um, when I made contact. Bro, you 300 pounds. Get up off the floor, bro. If he actually didn't lay out on the floor like that, I actually don't get the suspension that I got probably. But dude laid out like he was dead. That same guy then goes and say he doesn't deserve another chance. How, bro? What an embarrassment. And they expect to win with that guy really and so um i don't know i thought it was really whack to go questioning my character because i destroyed you on a basketball court but quite frankly i'm a four-time all-star four-time champion i should destroy you on a basketball court you are infamously known for getting traded to get you out the way of joker so joker can become who we all known him to become mm. Mm, mm, mm. uh there's so much there uh Izzy, I'm interested in your opinion uh, on what you heard from Draymond Green. How do you take that? I agree with everything that man said. <laughs> I, like, I, I, I loved every second of it. I won't lie to you. Uh, that's funny you say that because my opinions on it were I hate self-promoters. I will always think Draymond Green is more into Draymond Green than he is anything else. And I think it was a total jerk move. However, I agree with everything he said. And I, I, I think Nurkic deserved all of it. Yes. Now, here's the last part of my opinion, though. I love it as a Suns fan. I love it as a Suns fan. Because what will this do to Nurkic? I, I, I thought Nurkic got embarrassed against Golden State. I thought it was a game in which he made it about getting he, – uh, he felt like, I got punked by Draymond, now I'm going to get him back. And it wasn't about the game and it wasn't about winning. And then if you're going to bring it like he did, he's the first one that slapped the floor. He's the first one that made the small motion and then didn't bring it the rest of the night. And Draymond Green ran him over. Nurkic looked bad to me. Now, of course, it takes Draymond Green to say it because Draymond Green wants you to think about Draymond Green. But is he wrong? I don't think so. And now the question becomes, what kind of player do we see in Nurkic? Because there are too many times where he gets the ball on the block and passes it back out when he's got a mismatch. I do understand. You've got Devin Booker. You've got Kevin Durant. You have the feeling they should get the ball. And listen, a lot of times you're right. But when you're the one with the mismatch, that's your job. Take it. And he doesn't take it enough. And he's had some great games this year. But I think that's the kind of thing that when you get called out, something uh, something might happen strong about that. Uh, do you like Draymond Green, Izzy? 
Uh, I'm 50-50. Okay. He, he has his moments. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I did. I did love him when he came out. I loved him out of Michigan State. Loved. I loved the attitude then. But when it became, when he went off the deep end, I'm like, all right, I'm done. Uh, I, I'm totally done. Yeah, when he started hurting people, that's when he Yeah, came yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, listen, if somebody gets hurt playing against me because I'm tough or I'm, you know, I, 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 I don't care. Hey, you signed up. But flat out trying to hurt somebody, uh, that then you're just you're, you're every word you know you you know you're everything that 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 we want to say about you all right coming up next let's spend some time talking with steve mccollum in the main event what did he think about draymond green and then some of his comments in the sun's game last night and whether or not he's going to the parade in kansas city that's next this is doug franz unplugged presented by whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass on wtsmtv.com That was a fun game. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Again, loose quote, not not exact, not exact, but I believe the phrase was something about if Cupid may strike, watch the main event today. As I, I, I said, is I okay? Wait, <laughs> Steve McCullough from the main event from eight to ten. What was the Cupid comment? Uh, watch out for Cupid's arrows; it'll hurt. <laughs> Oh, it'll more, hurt. Look at that. Yeah, huh? more, more ways than one. You can interpret that however you want, whether it's the amount of money you have to spend, you know, if you're young and courting a young lady and she's expecting expensive things. Or, uh, you know, you get married, uh, you know, you get married and the divorces are expensive, you know, uh, it takes your soul. So take it however you want. I just phrased it that way. There's there's one in Tempe. I don't know if there's any any other ones in the Valley, but in the Midwest, rallies is pretty big. Yeah, and, yeah, the one on uh, what University of yeah, Greece. Yeah, yeah, and I, I love Raleigh's French fries. Right. They're fantastic. But I, uh, we were trying to go out to dinner while we were dating to somewhere halfway decent. Now at that time in our lives, halfway decent was Applebee's. Was Raleigh's? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we couldn't find anywhere. It was like an hour wait, hour and a half wait yes. everywhere. Yes. So fine, I said, you know what? We're just going to Raleigh's. I'm starving. Yes. So we actually get in the drive-through, and for the only time in our entire life, and we we're just dating, Jennifer actually says you know i gotta tell you i i kind of like valentine's day you know i i'd like to do something special and i think it was her hint to not be in rallies that was uh, uh i think that was bigger than a hint Doug. yeah it was it was because <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to phrase it properly when here. we pulled in she i said do you want anything and she said no you know and I, like she was a little irritable and then it was like okay calm down let's just give an opinion let's let's state it nicely and that's when she said you know i i i, I kind of want you valentine's can- day to be special so i leaned out the window and I said, make that two combos like that. And boom. And then she's never brought up no, Valentine's Day again. No, no money's an object for her. Two combos, please. Yeah, there you go. That was it. Like, oh, you said you didn't want
want anything, but now you tell me Valentine's Day is special, fine. You so can here, have it. You here's can have the one. secret for the guys, right, is if you forgot to make an, uh, a reservation and, and your girl cares about that, even ladies, uh, you know, there are reservations at like 8, 9 o'clock available tonight around town. <laughs> Not at the premier places, yeah. but you can find reservations. And you just go, I thought we'd do a late dinner, and then you like make it sound like you had something planned beforehand. Like oh, that's, not that's not yeah, bad. That's not bad. Now, yeah. the one difficult thing for the people that are Catholic today, today is the beginning uh, of Lent, yes. so we can't eat meat. Yeah. So therefore, you got an exp- if you're if you're taking your wife out to dinner tonight, it's an expensive seafood joint. Yeah, that sucks for you guys out there that your ladies don't eat meat. Rim shot in here, man. Yeah, that's a. I, I caught it. I didn't know what to do with it. I I, well, I admit. Yeah, I mean the whole idea is to move on. And, yeah, and yeah, I let, see. Let, let, let just hang, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, no pun intended. So, what what is the most romantic thing that you ever did? I do not have a romantic bone in my body. Okay. I, I want to hear Dale's stories today. When I was, oh, God, just so we could laugh at it. He, yeah, I mean, look, he's 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 around women constantly, right? <laughs> Two daughters, no guys. Uh, he's been out of the locker room for a while. Uh, his, I mean, we had that opening bit there for a while where he's like the expert at potpourri and show towels and stuff like that. Uh, I'd be scared of his stories. We have in, in the. In the bathroom that is by the kitchen, which is kind of the one that more guests use that that's, one. That's the romantic kitchen? Yeah, the there is no romantic kitchen. In in that bathroom, we have a big towel, then a hand towel, like a, yeah. a shower towel that's folded up, then a hand towel that's folded up, yeah. and then a washcloth that's folded yeah, up. You better use your pants before you use those towels, Doug. Well, yeah, when I wash my hands, I still to this day don't know which of the three things I'm supposed to use. Yes, yes. I don't, and I, like if you want to be showy fine but what i don't get is why don't we just throw any old hand towel there during the day because you kind of know when people are coming over yeah, people don't just show up yeah anymore, like twice right? a year somebody just shows up really? like, oh hey come on in have a uh, beer I the, uh, they, they show up and knock on my door i ain't answering well we get excited so here's the thing we are huge chiefs fans for very selfish reasons Whenever the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, Dr. Fred, who is also a great barbecuer, comes over with brisket and burn ends because he makes huge slabs of yeah. meat and then it's like, okay, here's the extras. So therefore, like, there's always a time somebody just shows up to drop off something. And I'm like, hey, come on in, have a beer. Yeah. And, and now, okay, okay, that's the time when we would be caught with our towels down. But... Come on. Have you what ever been in a house and just been like, oh, they don't have show towels? Yeah, there? I don't even, <laughs> I'm more annoyed when you have it. Because <laughs> yeah. then I'm like, what do I do? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you're just, I've just never been in some place and been like, ugh. I have to give credit to the uh, progressive commercials when the guy is helping the woman understand that you don't need 18 throw pillows. Because where do you sit? Don't be like your parents or whatever. And that actress is fantastic because as he's throwing pillows on the floor, I mean, she's (laughs) the genuine pain on her face is is fantastic. What did you think of uh, of Draymond Green's Nurkic beatdown? Uh, uh, Draymond Green uh, is the same person he was before. This just goes to shows indefinite suspensions. Uh, to get your mental health right, uh, don't work. In Amen to that. That's all it showed. It's uh, it's a joke. Uh, it, yeah. He was he was on best behavior for what two weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. That game was when Saturday night. Yeah, and Tuesday. 
of this week. He's still harping on it and yeah. going after Katie and calling him clowns and stuff like that. Uh, if you're this suspension didn't mean anything. Uh, he did not learn anything. All he learned was be on my best behavior for a couple weeks. I can go back to normal. Uh, and it, this is all blame on Steve Kerr and yeah. the Warriors for bringing him back. Quite frankly, way too early. That's all that shows. He's gone. He's regressed back to uh, being an a-hole. Here's why I love your point so much is look at it from an Adam look at it from a non-hypocritical view if you're Adam Silver or Steve Kerr mm-hmm. if the suspension was truly about mm-hmm. mental health and understanding to respect the game and the opponents quote unquote wouldn't you have to suspend him again yeah you would you would pull him out yeah, immediately because he clearly shows he doesn't learn that now how is that going to look when you suspend somebody for for uh, somewhat free speech don't forget your employer always has a right to have an opinion on your free speech yeah, but, it's, but you see what you see my point if it was yeah. really about mental health why would he be why wouldn't he be resuspended it's not free it's free speech but you're not void of consequences exactly so he's been suspended for his actions and his words in the past so you can be suspended yep. again for it yeah and uh, I mean, it doesn't necessarily warrant, in my eyes, it doesn't warrant that, but uh, there's a long conversation happening yeah. today with me and Draymond saying, you do this again and you're done. Yeah. You're done for a longer time. Uh, it, it's like Grayson Allen with Duke. We've talked about this. Yeah, where yeah. Coach K is like, oh, he's indefinite. And then, oh, we need him this big game. Exactly. We better get him back. Yep. Uh, it's the same situation. And if the Warriors played better without him and got good without him, it's a no-brainer to suspend him anyway, just for that reason, like Draymond said. I, I love that. And to be clear, and I think you were saying the same thing because you said you weren't really going that far. I'm not saying he deserves no. to be suspended. I'm saying what a crock it was to yeah. say it was for mental health because if you weren't lying, yeah. then you would suspend him again. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it just shows he's the same person. Yeah, exactly. So what would you suspend him for for 12 games and he got counseling uh, if he's doing it again at yeah. this point? Like I said, the game was Saturday. Tuesday, he's crying about it yeah, still. Yeah. Uh, it That tells you that there's something going on in his head. Now, do you agree with Izzy and I? It was still dumb of Nurkic to do the small thing. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, but I get it. it that's in the bat, but that's in the course of battle you're trying yeah. to get to, and it didn't work. That's fine. It didn't work. <laughs> that's true. That's uh, true. But he got in his head because he's talking about it on Tuesday. <laughs> that's called hitting the post. Steve crushed it. The main event coming up, 10 to noon. Uh, 10 to noon, I just made that up. Coming up, 8 to 10 this morning. Ion Sports, Izzy on Sports, iOS. That, uh, by the way, no one calls it Ion Sports. It was just, I see the letter I, and then I say I for some reason. iOS, Izzy on Sports comes up at 1 o'clock today here on WTSMTV.com. Here's what I got for you. Versus Vegas. Did well, but I'm I'm irritable I didn't go 3-0. Come on, New York Islanders. I went 2-1 yesterday. I had the uh, Islanders on the money line against the Kraken. It's 1-1. The Islanders hit the post in the OT. It's the only time I... uh, Here's a hockey rule that I admit I did not know at all. And I thought I was a pretty good rules guy. But I'd never seen this happen, so I didn't know what happened. There was a power play in the game. So the crack in the overtime. So when there's a power play, you do put one guy in uh, on the bench, or excuse me, in the box, but you still keep three guys out, but now the Kraken gets to bring out another guy. So I knew that. It's a four on three. What I had never seen happen is I had never seen a power play in overtime when you ruin your own power play by getting your own penalty. So the Kraken took a penalty. I literally didn't know, do you go now four on four? 
or do you go back to three on three? And then I found out the official rule is you go back to three on three. So that was a weird game. They're playing three on three in the OT. Power play, they go four on three, cracking with the advantage. Then penalty on the crack, and they go back to three on three again. Three, twice the Isles hit the post. All right? And then once they had a little bit of a breakaway and they get a and Kraken goalie makes a stop. So three great chances in the OT. Islanders don't take advantage. They go into the shootout. Islanders don't even come close to scoring in the shootout. Kraken win two to one. The Islanders are one of the worst overtime shootout teams in hockey, and the only and the Kraken are the second worst. Guess who are the only two wins the Kraken have in OT or a shootout? They beat the Islanders twice. They only play them twice, and that's their only two shootout wins. Come on! Would I have cared if I didn't have anything? No, I would not have cared at all. But then I'm watching that game going crazy. That's the game I miss. I went, uh, I won the other two games. Man, I wish I had the guts. I looked right at you yesterday and said, Miami is getting way too many points. Plus eight when Milwaukee's on the back end of a back-to-back and an emotional win against Denver. I love Miami plus the eight. And then I said, I don't have the courage to take Miami on the money line. We had plus 160 juice if you took Miami on the money line. I didn't have the courage to do it. Miami won by 25 in Milwaukee, 123 to 97. And I needed, uh, why did I take the eight points? Didn't have the guts, so I get the game right, but I don't get it as right as we could have uh, on units. And the other one, I uh, I thought this was a low total. With the way Sacramento gives up threes and the way they shoot threes normally, Sacramento was held nine shots below their average attempts and three-point attempts. And yet, we still got the over right. I thought the over-under at 245 was too low. We get the uh, over by the uh, Sun scoring uh, late in the, in the fourth, 130 to 25. I think we made it by about eight points to be able to, to uh, no, we made it by 10 points to be able to cover that. So we go 2-1 and one yesterday with a shootout goal as our loss and not going 3-0 and oh on the day. So that kind of uh, that kind of stinks. All right, tonight, I don't normally have four games on a weekday, but there's four games that I like today. We're going to take Winnipeg to cover the money line at minus one and a half. The reason why I like uh, Winnipeg is simply San Jose is absolutely terrible. And this is San Jose's first game from their bye week. While Winnipeg has played uh, over the weekend, Winnipeg had a game. So they've gotten everything all out of their system from the All-Star break, but still had three days to rest. I think Winnipeg's going to be flying around, and I think San Jose's already bad and going to be rusty. Love. I'll, I'll drop the love tag. I love Winnipeg um, covering the puck line at minus one and a half. Uh, I've got Philadelphia minus three today, and normally I wouldn't take Philadelphia, but the way they're playing, uh, they're struggling a little bit. Obviously, when you don't have a player that is as good as Joel Embiid anymore, you're going to struggle. But I just told you about Miami. Great win in Milwaukee. They have a road back-to-back Milwaukee to Philly. Who <laughs> The geography majors in the NBA front offices are just idiots. I don't know of anybody that's ever driven across the Wisconsin-Pennsylvania border. And not only do you have that long of a flight, 
but you lose an hour in the air. And now you, you're an average team and you got to get ready for Philly, and we only have to cover three points. I really like that game. I'll take Philly minus the three. And the Knicks are getting two and a half points when Orlando's on the back end of a back-to-back. Now, granted, it's a home back-to-back. They were home last night. They're home tonight. So usually that doesn't have the wear and tear of travel. I like back-to-backs because of the wear and tear of travel to go with the other team. But I think the Knicks are so pissed at the world after their Rockets game that I think they're going to have a little extra juice. And Orlando just played last night, and I'm getting points. Again, not a courage bet. There's positive juice if you take the Knicks on the money line. I want the points just in case because I do think Orlando's a better team. So we got Winnipeg and Philly covering Winnipeg Philly covering as a favorites. New York Knicks plus the points. Oh, and I forgot one more. I like Denver. Denver's at home tonight against Sacramento. And Sacramento just came from, from Phoenix. Not a tough flight to Denver, but oh my gosh, that airport is so far away from the hotel. So you get in late. Now you're playing at altitude against Denver. Denver's got to cover six points. I like that. I'll take the Nuggets. So again, Winnipeg, Philly, and the Nuggets all taking them to cover. And New York Knicks plus the points. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. February 23rd is a week from Friday. Unplugged Army, I'd love to see you out there for our next sanctioned event. Play golf with us between noon and 1.30. Set your tee time. Unplugged at whirlwind.com. If you can't make it out there, then please come out for lunch that day. Come out for breakfast that day. Spend some time uh, supporting the Unplugged Army. I'd love to see you out there. And I'd like to set a happy hour destination. I think we might go somewhere else for happy hour. I'll talk to you about that later on this week. Burrito Express, the best the best breakfast burrito you've ever had. Bell's Nashville Kitchen, the number one sandwich in all of Arizona, the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich, and Parker & Sons for all your heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical needs. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.